Hey, if you're joining us online today, I just want you to know that this was our official ugly Christmas sweater morning. If you're confused, if you've seen some ugly sweaters on stage. And somebody asked me, said, where's your ugly sweater, Chris? And I said, I have a story. And the story goes like this. This morning at 5.30, I got out of bed and I was looking for my ugly sweater, which is on my sweater shelf in my closet. And I couldn't find it. And so this is my surmise. This is what I believe. I don't know if it's true, but I'm just putting it out there. This is my excuse. I couldn't find it because my Christmas sweater was so ugly that my wife threw it away. No lie. I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed this Christmas here at our church. We've had, last weekend, we had Donna Ulysses. This Wednesday night, we had the skit guys. If you missed either one of those things, it was awesome. This morning, we had uh, uh, Unfrozen, uh, the kids' musical, uh, Christmas musical. It was uh, awesome. They just did a wonderful job. So cute. And we are still in our Christmas marathon. And I was here listening, and I leaned over to Chris, Dan's wife, this morning. I said, I think he's losing his voice. You can't lose it now, man. We've got five more Christmas services to do. Two next Sunday morning and one Saturday night and two Sunday night. I mean, do not lose it now, right? So it is so cool. I've had opportunities to invite people to church. I was just talking to someone who who I ran into someone who wasn't going to church. And I said, you need to join us for church. And and some of you, I've encouraged you and I encourage you every year. This is the best time. 80% of the people are waiting for somebody to invite them to church. Just do it. And you might ask, well, how do I naturally invite someone to church during the Christmas season? Well, you know, this morning when I got here, it was raining. And and you you might be having a conversation about the rain or the snow. It, you know, it, it has rained in my soul. And you know what? What opened up my soul? It was the bright sunshine of Jesus. And so why don't you enjoy join me to for Christmas services? Boy, I had trouble getting that on, that out. Or maybe you hit a chuckle this Christmas season and, and the roads were kind of bad and you were complaining about it and, or somebody's complaining about it. You might say, you know, I've, I've had some chuckles in my life, but Jesus was like the tar guy that put the pitch and the tar into the hole and it made my life go smoother and I no longer have, have flat tires in my life or broken rims or dented rims. You can, you can do this with anything to introduce people to Christ. Yeah, it's corny, it's kind of jacked up, but you know what? It gives you an opportunity to share. Hey, why don't you come join me? Sit next to me. This is how I do life. This is what, how life works for me. And, and, and I just want you to know, as your pastor, I have up and downs weeks. This has been a tough week. I've dealt with a lot of crazy this week. It, not in the church, outside of the church. I just want you to know there's crazy evil people out there that need Jesus. And our our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about this person that I'm seeing that wants to harm me, to defame me, to slander me. That's not who I'm battling. It's against the spiritual forces, the 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 powers, the principalities that we battle against. And there are lost, lost people 
that aren't going to find Jesus unless we share that light with them. Now today, I just want to share with you Christmas from a different perspective. Christmas from a different perspective. You mean, Chris, after all these years that I have been in church, that I have been hearing the Christmas story, you're going to try to give me a different perspective. Yes, I am. Today, we want to look at the Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. Some of you might think you've been there, done that, but we're going to try today to give you a little bit different perspective. And by the way, if I were titling this, or I titled this sermon, You Are Not Alone, well, you could shorten it to two words, never alone. Maybe you're feeling alone. Maybe you're feeling lost. Maybe you're feeling like no one cares and you are by yourself. And I want you to know that is not true. That is a lie from Satan. Now, this morning, I want to open up with Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 29. If you have your tablets, your Bibles, version app, whatever, follow along with me. In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And what she heard was, Greeting, the Lord is with you is with you. The reason why we are never alone, we may be lonely, but we forget that we're never alone because the Lord was not only with Mary, the Lord is with you. And then the angel went on and said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, I am a coffee drinker. In fact, I think I probably drink too much coffee. If I had an addiction outside of ministry, it would be a coffee addiction. And I have my addicted friends that are addicted to a lot of different things that are illegal. They would say to me, what are you addicted to? And I would say, coffee. I would say ministry and work. Those are my addictions. So I'm going to sip a little coffee as I'm asking you the question, ever go for coffee to share some bad news? Think about it. Now, Mary was just announced to by an angel that she was going to bear a a child. They were going to name him Jesus, but she was betrothed. And she would have to go to coffee with Joseph and say, honey, I have some good news and I have some bad news. And the thing that we don't understand about this whole scenario is this, that the cultural betrothal that they were doing in the first century in that moment was like a marriage, but not. 
There was no intimacy during this time. It was way beyond an engagement. It was a, a legal relationship that probably Joseph's family had worked out with Mary's family. And Joseph's family said, hey, we think Mary's a nice girl. We'd like for our son Joseph to marry. And it was arranged by them, probably. That's the way betrothals worked. And in fact, at that time, they would uh, be betrothed, and they were not intimate until they were married. And probably that marriage would take be take place at the groom's house. And this this is kind of strange. During the wedding celebration, then then Mary and Joseph or the couple would go off into a, I assume a bedroom, and they would be intimate, and then they would prove that that woman was a virgin at that time. Otherwise, there were serious problems. Well, this was an interruption, and so in the in the process of this betrothal, Mary was having coffee with Joseph. I'm just making this up. She's having to have a conversation and say, by the way, honey, I'm going to have a baby, and it's going to be God's child. Well, that would have probably broke Joseph's heart. You see, he was expecting to marry someone that probably wasn't crazy, that probably wasn't going to sleep around on him, that was going to be a virgin. He was a good man. God had chosen wisely. Hear the scripture in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is out. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph had the opportunity in that moment to have Mary stoned. If she was truly pregnant, she was dead. That was what the law allowed. But being a kind, compassionate person who was brokenhearted, if you've ever broken up with someone and loved them or been broken up with and experienced that brokenheartedness, that's what Joseph experienced. But that's not the end of the story. We know we know this. Look at verses 20 and 22 of, uh, through 22 of Matthew chapter 1. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So have you ever gone to coffee to apologize to someone? I have. So can you imagine Joseph going the next day and talking to Mary and and saying, while they're sipping coffee, Honey, I just want to apologize to you. I believe you. I love you. You are the love of my life. I'm not going to divorce you. I'm not going to have you stoned. I, I, I'm committed to you. I, 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 you are my all in all. Can you imagine that conversation? And Mary 
you know, kind of, what, what do I say, leaning back and sipping coffee and saying, okay, Joseph, connect the dots for me. Yesterday, you were brokenhearted, and today you're okay with this. You were going to quietly divorce me, and now you're okay. What's changed? Has an angel talked to you? And, and is every time that I tell you something, are you going to have to have verification from an angel to believe me? Joseph, this isn't going to work. This relationship isn't going to work if every time you, you tell me, I tell you something, you're going to have to have an angel to verify it. Honey, I'm not going to deal with this. Can you imagine that story, that talk? And, and, and did you hear what this passage of Scripture said? This was not going to be Joe Jr. This is going to be Jesus. That's going to be his name. They didn't even get to pick the name. And Emmanuel is going to be his nickname. And Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua, and it means Yahweh saves. That was Jesus' name. Our, our son is named Joshua. Yeshua, God saves. He's my favorite person out of the Old Testament. Yeshua. But Emmanuel is going to be his nickname, to be a reminder that God is with us, that you are never, ever alone. You see, the great news about the Christmas story is not only that God is with us, that you're never alone, but that he is for us. No matter what circumstance, event, conflict, relational, emotional problem you're having, God is with you and God is for you. God is not distant. He is with us and he is for us. And you've got to understand something about this God. From a Jewish mindset at that time and throughout history up to that point, outside of the Garden of Eden, outside of the fall of man, since mankind's fall, God has always had always been distant and unapproachable. Think about it. When God was delivering the children of Israel out of Egypt, how did he do that? In a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When, when they went to get the Ten Commandments, God, God appeared on a mountain in fire and smoke and smog, and the children of Israel were told to keep themselves holy, and they could approach God, and they said, we don't want to, it is too scary. And only Moses went up to the mount. You see, God was distant and unapproachable. Moses wanted to to know God more directly, and he said, hey, can I see you? And God said, you can only see my hind parts. And so Moses hid in a cleft of a rock, in a hole in a rock, and put his hand over the rock and went by Moses. And that's how God was approached. But not now, not ever since Jesus was born, God became approachable. 
Colossians 1.15, Paul writes this. He's, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Philip said it this way. He asked Jesus, he said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. He too wanted to see God like Moses. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. See, Jesus and God were one. Now think about that young couple that were having this baby that was going to be the Son of God. This is going to be their firstborn. They are 90 miles away from home in a strange environment. And and I don't know about you, but when we had our firstborn, I didn't, I mean, girls held babies, but boys didn't. I didn't play with dolls. I didn't even know how to hold a baby. In fact, somebody had to teach me. But can you imagine? I don't even know how to hold a baby. How am I going to raise the Son of God? That's a lot of responsibility. And it wasn't going to be easy. In fact, all I see when I read this story in Scripture is difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. And they had to put their faith and trust in God and realize that that would only work if God showed up in their lives. And folks, I I just want you to know that when you have obstacles and circumstances and events and conflict and relationship, it's only going to work if you put your faith and trust in God and follow his word and his commands by the grace of God. You see, difficulties surrounded Jesus's birth and, and difficulties are going to surround our lives for all of our lives. No one said it was going to be easy. It only works if God shows up. And understand this, that the difficulties surrounding Jesus' birth, here are a few. This was a scandal, not a Hallmark special. There were whisperers and gossips in Nazareth. Can you believe Mary? Can you believe Joseph? What is wrong with them? Why didn't Joseph do this? We thought Mary was a better girl than that. You know how it goes. And then think about 90 miles. When's the last time you walked 90 miles traveling to Bethlehem? 90 miles on foot on a donkey. When's the last time you walked 90 miles anywhere? How long would that take you? It was not a hallmark moment. It wasn't romantic in that manger. Jesus was born in a barn. Maybe a midwife, maybe not. Maybe Joseph uh, delivered Jesus. We don't know. Possibility. What's the thing? Do law, whatever. What is it, is it called a do law or what? And the midwife, huh? Do law. Thank you. Thank you. Do law. And now, you know, I, I'm just going to share an opinion. You may not agree with this, but we had our babies in a hospital. We had difficult pregnancies. My wife did. I didn't. But I, you know, I was part of the process anyway. Uh, we wanted to be as safe and as clean and as 
you know, we didn't want to take any chances. In fact, we were told we would never have any babies, never have children. Can't imagine. But that's what we were told. And God was gracious. God does miracles in all different kinds of ways. And so we weren't going to take any chances. Uh, Stacy's an epileptic. She had some, you know, critical, scary, we had scary uh, pregnancies. And I, there was a time when I thought we lost the baby and I was just devastated. I was just, I mean, I, I called my parents. I was in tears. I, I, I was uh, out, out of sorts. I couldn't speak. I hung up the phone. My parents thought I died. You know, something was majorly wrong because I couldn't speak. I know what darkness and what, what that's like. I know that. And, and so they had it as tough as it could be. And about the time that things got normal, about that time that they were settled in Bethlehem and things were kind of okay, they are forced to move again. Can you imagine? Once they had some sense of stability, they were going to handle on things. And, and so it was maybe a year or so after the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew 2, uh, Matthew shares this. He said, Now when the, they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take up uh, the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child and to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. I'm doing a, a, a devotion right now called an African Christmas story, something like that out of the version. And and uh, the point was made in one of my daily devotionals over this last week that the Africans, African Africans are very proud that Jesus had lived in Egypt, that he had been on their continent, and that was a part of African heritage. I would never have thought about that. Have you? I just kind of brush over that part of the story. But they are. And who wouldn't be? Right? Savior of the world? Now, I want to make three observations quickly, rather quickly. First of all, I want you to know this. God loves people more than you do. God loved Mary more than Joseph did. God loved Joseph more than Mary did. God loved the baby Jesus more than Mary and Joseph did. And God loves you more than anyone else. And God loves your kids and your grandkids more than you do, if you can imagine that. God wants the best for them. Second, there is no limit to what God can do through you. Mary was a wonderful human being that bore Jesus, the Son of God. But she wasn't perfect. She was a sinner, just like we are. Joseph was a good man, holy and righteous, but he was a sinner, just like you and I are. And he used them, and he will use you. There's no limit to what God can do through you if you rely on his grace by faith to do the work that he desires to do with you. 
And you might make up excuses and you might say, well, I'm not good enough. I, I made this mistake. I made that mistake. I can't do this. You can do whatever God calls you to do by his grace through faith. There's no limit. Number three, God wants more for you and God wants more of you. God wants more for you than what you have. If you're far from God, if you're not living according to the word of God, if you're not doing the right things the right way, God wants more of you. But he also wants more of you. He wants you to draw nearer to him, to have him live inside of you, that you might do his will. My question this morning is simply this, what are you doing to get closer to God? And I think this is a great time. It's Christmas. Spend some time meditating on Christmas. I love worship in this church. When Dan says it's all about Jesus, you know what? I believe him because it is all about Jesus. Put your faith and trust in him. There isn't anyone that loves you any more than he did. He gave his life for you. He loves you like crazy. I love my grandchildren like crazy. I love my children like crazy, but I don't love them like God loves them. It's unbelievable. You may not feel God's love, but he loves you. You are his child. He wants to be in relationship with you. Now, I want to leave you with a promise. We're a great commission church, and Dan, when we wrap up today, he's going to talk about our vision, mission, and values, which comes from this very passage. But I want you to see one thing that we don't talk about in our vision, mission, and values. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says this, last words. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, intentional discipleship, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. We baptize people. We dip them, we dunk them, because that's what God says to do. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, because his way is the best way. And don't miss this. This is the most important part today. What does he say? Behold, I am with you always. When is he with you? Always. Are you ever alone? You are never alone. I am with you always. When? To the end of the age. Has that came? No. He is with you. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful. We are so, so grateful that we aren't alone. And when we face difficulties and trials and circumstance and events and relational issues and and emotional issues, and mental health issues, that we're never alone. That you are always with us. That, Father, you are a God that is almighty and all-powerful. And, Father, you do the impossible, and you are limitless. And so when you do a work, you do it perfectly, and you do it well. And Father, just now, we just pray that you would do your work in everyone here and everyone that is listening online today and everyone that will listen, that you will do your work, that you will call them, that they will know that you want more for them and more of them, that you are for them and you are with them through your spirit and by your grace. 
Father, just now, I pray that you would do your work in every heart and life, and those that are far from you, that those that need to know you as Lord and Savior of your life, those that need to set things right, those that need to know your healing and forgiveness, your wholeness and your shalom. Father, I just pray that would occur today. And Father, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing this morning?